show. So can you give a huge welcome to my good friend, Pastor Justin Daly. Coastal, how we doing? Everybody doing good? Come on, 9 a.m. has got to be the most fun crowd. You're up early, already had your coffee, excited to be in church. Somebody put on some pants. I know you're at home right now, but come on, wherever you're watching from, come on, worship the Lord with clothes on in Jesus' name. How is everybody doing today? Uh, Pastor TJ and Shayla, if you don't know, uh, are some of our, our closest friends, Stephanie, my wife, and ourselves, and, and, uh, and, and they pastor a phenomenal church. And I don't know, uh, sometimes when you're a part of something, uh, you forget how, how special it is. And just watching that video with you celebrating, I mean, 4,500 people gave their life to Jesus in the history of this church. Like what you're a part of, like we, we sang a song we sang a song about Lord Send Revival, uh, and you're, you're in the middle of one. And so maybe I just came today to remind you of how, how special it is. And, and you're making a difference, uh, not just in South Florida, not just around the world uh, ambiguously. You're, you're making a difference even at Action Church. And, and I was thinking about it driving down here and shared this last night as well. Uh, we had lunch. Uh, I came and preached years and years ago. It must have been over seven years ago now before we started our church. It was the summer uh, before we started Action Church, so the summer of 2013 or so. And I remember going to lunch with Pastor TJ and Shayla uh, after the services, uh, and they, uh, they slid an envelope across the table with $5,000, and Coastal Community Church was the first church to give money to Action Church. And so your seed, your investment... We've seen over 10,000 people come to Jesus in six and a half years, and you're a part of that. Like what you give... And legacy offerings, your faithful tithes and offerings, your, your involvement here is not just making a difference in Parkland and South Florida, but it is changing lives and changing eternities in Orlando. And we're forever grateful that you took a chance on us and invested in us. So thank you so much for your friendship and, uh, and partnering together. Hey, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 3 uh, this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to go to the first 16 verses or so in just a moment. But, but I want to talk about building today. You know, if you call Coastal Community home, you, you've built a beautiful building. You've got dreams for the next phase to, to reach more people, future locations. I want to talk about building today. I want to talk about a, a message entitled, God's House, My Home. God's House, my home. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down in this room and online as well. This is not just a house. This is my home. This is not just God's house. This is not just Pastor TJ and Shayla's house. This is not just the, the team here's house. This, this can be my home. How many of you know something changes when, when a house becomes a home? When it's just a house, it's just somebody else's house. It's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's thing. But when it's your home, it changes everything. Come on, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We were in quarantine for a while. Some, some of you may still be because of health issues. You begin to notice some different things in this past season when you've been stuck at home. If you have kids, you've never been more grateful for school. Like I just, I've, I've never been more grateful for education, not for their education, just to get them out of the house. That was a long spring. I did not sign up to homeschool. There's things that you notice. I've heard that the remodeling industry and the refinance industry are at all-time highs because we look around at this thing and we think, I, I need to fix this place up a little bit. I need this. I'm here way too much. I need a, a new pool. I need a new room. I need to fix this thing. And when a house becomes a home, it just changes 
It changes our perspective. And I'd like to do that today in the next 30 minutes or so. I'd like to change our perspective or remind us this morning that, that God's house really can be our home. And I want to talk about building that today with that context, with that perspective. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and read from God's word. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, that's you and me, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world. And, and that would be one of my, my prayers for Action Church and Coastal Community Church is that we would just be different, not perfect, never perfect, never getting it all right, but there would be a marked difference in how we respond to pandemics and elections and everything that's happened. That we're just, we just look different, that we live a, a life set apart from the world so that the world asks why. It says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? So they were glorifying men and women. They were glorifying leaders over Jesus. And he's saying, it's, it's not us. It says, after all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Together, that we're, we're on the same team with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. We're building something. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. That's where we come in. We're going to build on Jesus. We'll get there in just a second. But this is where we come in. We're going to build with a variety of different materials and gifts and talents. With gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. Verse 13, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the flames. Last verse, verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you, all of us together, are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you. Talk about building today, God's house, our home. God's house, our home. If you're going to if you're going to build something, you got to start with a, a solid foundation. If you're taking notes, write this down. Building God's house, my home, it's more spiritual than you think. It's more spiritual than you think that, that Jesus is the foundation. And how many of you know that the foundation is really, really important? Like, I, have you ever been to a, a big city with huge skyscrapers? I, a couple years ago, I was on vacation with my wife. I was at the Willis Tower, which used to be the Sears Tower. They had this little glass box, like glass case at the top of it where you look over the city. You're hundreds of stories up. I've never been more thankful for a firm foundation. I'm up there thinking, how was the, I've never thought about civil engineering in my life, but I'm thinking, I really hope they laid this foundation like an expert builder. I was thankful for the foundation. And if we're building God's house, our home, where we're building our lives, the foundation has to be Jesus. It's more spiritual than you think. 
With your kids, it's more spiritual than you think. With your business, it's more spiritual than you think. With what's going on in the world right now, it's more spiritual than you think. So if we're going to build this thing, it's got to be on a foundation of Jesus. So my first question to you today is, where is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in your life? Is he the, the foundation? Is he the priority? Is he the, the filter in which you see everything through? Where's Jesus? We find this in Luke chapter 2. We find Mary and Joseph, Mary the mother of Jesus and, and Joseph. We, we find them, as was their custom every year, going to Jerusalem to, to worship, going to the temple. So let's put that in context. That's just like you and me, going to church every single Sunday. They, they go to the temple. They go to Jerusalem to, to worship and to take part. And then they leave. But there's a problem, a, a, a few, a short time into the journey, they realize that they forgot 12-year-old or so Jesus. And that's a problem because Mary only had one job, like birth Jesus and raise Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? You've been trusted with the son of God, like the only son of God. Like, I know I've left my kids somewhere. Come on, be honest, Coastal Church. How many of you have left your kids somewhere? Come on, at Walmart or Publix or at Coastal Community for three services just because you wanted brunch? Yeah, we've been there. I caught you. I know, I know. She left Jesus, and I don't know how it went down, but you know that Joseph got blamed. Like, you know, you know that Joseph was apologizing as they went back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. But Luke chapter 2, we see that, that they, they lose Jesus, and there's a few powerful phrases in Luke chapter 2. It says they, they didn't miss him at first. Have you ever been in a season where you're following God, you're all about God's house, my home, you're, you're coming to church, you're, you're worshiping, but then, then you leave and you realize that, that you did not bring Jesus with you because he was not the foundation, he was not the filter, he was not the priority, he was just a part. Says they didn't miss him at first. And then here's where we get, they assumed he was following like they left worship, they, they left the 9 a.m. service and they, they just assumed he was following them into their marriage and they assumed that he was following them into their business. I need to remind somebody that Jesus is a terrible follower. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. He's not following you anywhere. If he's not leading, he's not in it. They didn't notice at first. They assumed he was following. Then it says in Luke chapter 2, they went on a frantic search. A frantic search, have you seen him? Where is he? And if we keep it as the foundation, we never have to search. So many of us are searching to fill the void that, that Jesus should be filling with, with success and significance and different priorities. We're searching for things, and what we're really looking for is Jesus. And at the end of Luke 2, it says they found him. And what he says to Mary and Joseph is so profound for us today in our time together. He said, where did you think I would be? I'm in my father's house about my father's business. How do you make Jesus the foundation of your life? First off, you, you give your life to him. We'll talk about that at the end of service today. But how do you make him the foundation? You make your life to be about what the father is doing, to be, be about building God's house and making my home. It's more spiritual than you think. Here's number two. Write this down. Let's go to verse 12 in the scriptures. It says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. There's different ways to do it. Here's the second thing. When we're building God's house, my home, it's more practical than you think. 
It's more practical. You, you lay a foundation first, and, and then you begin, to, you begin to design this thing. You begin to lay out the, the framing of, of the building, the framing of the house, the hallways and the rooms. It, it, it's more practical than you think. It's, 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 it's more simple than you think. What I want to talk about here specifically is how we're building this house. I want to talk about how we're building this house in, in, our, in our relationships with how we speak about God, how we speak about this church, and how we speak about people. It's more practical than you think. It's, it's more simple than you think. How should this go? How should this fit? I want to talk about that in the context of, of our words. And I know that nobody at Coastal Church, I, I just know that nobody here is like the people at Action Church, and hopefully nobody at Action Church is watching right now. Hopefully you're in church at Action Church right now. But I, I, we have some people that every once in a while like to, to tear down or be a little negative, a little critical, gossiping. I know that doesn't happen here. Pastor GJ told me that he has the most perfect congregation and that you are just so positive and affirming and always encouraging. But but we have some people at Action Church that tear down and, and we have a value that we are encouragers. Because I don't know about you, I already know most of the areas where I fall short. Like I look in the mirror every single day and I know where I'm insecure. I know where I fall short. I know that one eye is slightly lower than the other and sunken more in. I know that I have a five head instead of a four head. I know that I have less hair today than I had two years ago. I know that I could lose five to 10 pounds. Like I know all of those things. I don't need to surround myself with people that remind me of who I'm not. I need people to build me up. But we so many times in the church, we're so, we're so critical. If we're going to build God's house, my home, we're going to build it with a culture of affirmation and encouragement, not with gossip and criticalness and negative. I know you don't do that here, but here's how it works at my church. We, we, we pray for a lot of people. You know what I mean? We just get a little group text. Come on. Hey, we should be praying for, for our small group leader. You know, we should be praying for them. Have you heard what they're going through? Well, no, I have not heard. Well, let me tell you. But, but nobody's praying. You know what I mean? Like we're just talking about praying. We're talking about them. And the gossip is a sin if you didn't know that. And so you should stop it if that's you in this church. But here's how it works. Here's how it works, and here's, here's where I want to get to, because here's where it gets divisive and destructive, and we're not building God's house, my home. We're actually tearing it down. Let's just say for, for uh, our time together this morning that you have a problem with Pastor TJ. And I know that would never happen because he's so just, he's so like just meek and mild-mannered and not strong or opinionated or bold about anything. And so I know it just that would never happen. Uh, but let's just say you have a, a mild disagreement with Pastor TJ and, and, and you, you're going through some things, and then you text seven to ten of your closest friends, get on a group text. We're going to be pa- praying for Pastor. He's making some poor decisions. He, he had this conversation. We should be praying for him, and you're sharing all of this stuff, and you're, you're spreading this, this gossip or this divisiveness around the community and around the church. Well, here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to reconcile. You're going to heal because he loves the Lord and you love the Lord. But, but that's never going to get back to those people. Let, let me illustrate. Let me illustrate this way. How many of you remember getting a newspaper back in the day? Any, any people get newspapers? All of the, anybody under like 25 in here like, what? A news what? Newspaper? Well, a newspaper, kids, was they used to deliver it to your house every single day. And they just throw a paper, a bunch of paper in your front yard. Like it was just, they just drive by and somebody had a full-time job just throwing paper in your front yard. And you would get it. And what you would do is you would, go, you would read it. It would be the, the news for the day. And then the biggest story, remember, the biggest story was front page news. Like whatever the picture was, it was front page news. And you'd get there and you get front page news. It was the, it was the, the news. It was the, the headline. It was the whatever was happening. But I don't know if you know this. Back in the day, this doesn't happen anymore, obviously. Sometimes the, the media and the news would get it wrong. That never happens anymore. Like, you know, we just, it's all, it's all, you can trust all of it in 2020, but they would get it wrong. And what they, what they would do is they would have front page news, headline story, this drama, this scandal, this thing. 
but they would get it wrong every once in a while, and then they would issue a back page retraction to the front page news. The problem is nobody ever reads the back page. 36A in the corner, you're going to get down the back. Hey, by the way, six weeks ago, we missed it about this corporation. We missed it about this company. That's how gossip works, Coastal Community. Because what happens, you have that problem with Pastor TJ, and you, you, go, you go talk about it, but you settle it. But your front page news story, I have a problem with the direction of the church. I have a problem with our pastor. Now you're back in love with the mission here. You've reconciled and forgiven. You're on the team. You've got a shirt. But your back page retraction never got to anybody else. And so now they have a problem with your church and the mission and the pastor because of your words. It's more practical than you think. Speak life. Speak encouragement. Speak the word of God. Remind people of God's best, not their worst, and allow him to, to build this thing practically. Here's the third thing. Write this down. It's more personal than you think. It's more personal than you think. That This is the design phase. This is where you get in. You start putting things on the wall and picking paint colors. This is where you, you find your gifts and your talents, and you begin to say, no, I, I'm going to be a part of what God is doing here. Verse 13 through 15, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder did. We're going to talk about together. We're going to talk about the mission in a second, but you are the only one that will stand before God one day and give an account for what, what you did, the gifts that he, he gave you. It says it will reveal the fire will show if a person's work has any value if the work survives that builder will receive a reward but if the work is burned up the builder will suffer great loss the builder will be saved but like someone barely escaping through the wall of flames I want to be very clear I'm not talking about a works-based faith Paul is very clear right here that we can we cannot do the most with with the gifts that God gave us and still get into heaven if Jesus is your foundation if if you make him lord of your life then then your eternity is secure but I but I'm asking you are we going to build something that lasts or are we just barely going to escape yeah. are we just barely going to get in or are we actually going to going to build with what what God has given us. It's more personal than you think. And to get this idea to really make a house a home, you've got to take some ownership. Like I've just noticed that I've treated homes that that I've leased. If I was a renter versus an owner, I I treated them totally different. Like I I didn't really, there've been apartments that Steph and I've lived in. We didn't even decorate because it's like, I don't want to patch the wall when I'm done. Like it's just, everything was bare because it's not mine. Come on, you know, it's different when you rent it or when you own it. Every time you get a rental car, you drive that thing different. You know what I mean? I got the insurance. I hit stuff just for fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like car next to me, curb, it doesn't matter. I paid $40 a day for insurance. I'm bringing this thing back beat up. You drive a rental differently. And I'm asking you today, when it comes to church, God's house, my home, are you leasing here or are you owning here? And we just, we just treat it differently. Uh, Three years ago or so, we bought uh, the home we're in now. Before that, we were renting a home uh, in the Winter Springs area, and our AC broke. And you know the devil is real and the devil is a liar because your AC always breaks on the weekend and never in the winter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going, if you've been in Florida, and if you haven't been to Orlando, you you have way better weather here in South Florida. In Orlando, it's kind of like living in someone's mouth. Some of y'all are going to get that later. Or just come to Orlando in the summer. It is, it's nasty. Like, it's just hot, humid. It's a swamp. And so our AC breaks. It's 100 degrees. We were, uh, we were leasing that home. So you know what I did? I called our landlord, and I said, we have a problem. The AC is broken. Send somebody to fix it. You know what I did after that? Nothing. 
I called with a complaint, and then I waited for somebody else to come and fix it because it wasn't my AC unit. It wasn't my house. I could care less how they did it, how much it cost, because all I know is that I needed AC, and somebody else was responsible for it. Fast forward two years later, we own our home. My AC breaks again, again in July, again on a Saturday morning. They say we'll be out on Tuesday. I say, Tuesday? I'm, I'm hot right now. I'm, I'm researching, I'm on Google, I'm reading Yelp reviews, I'm reading Google reviews, I'm calling multiple places, I'm, I'm negotiating the price. When they get there, I put on some work gloves like I actually know what I'm doing. I have no idea. I'm out there, I'm like, so what are we doing? What are we fixing? How long is that going to last? Is there a warranty on that part? Are you sure this is a good idea? I need this to work. This AC unit is like $12,000. I need you to fix it. I need you to warranty it. I need to not see you for a really, really long time because it was my home. It was my AC unit. And if you're just a tenant here, if you're just leasing here, it's easy to call and complain. It's easy to point out, hey, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? Hey, somebody should clean this up. Somebody, this is your home. There's nobody to call. God placed you here in this time and in this place to, to make a difference. He placed you here to, to, to fix it. He placed you here to stand in the gap. He placed you here to build and to own. See a problem. Maybe God put you here to, to be the solution. This is your home. Yeah. I need you to hear very clearly today, though, as we close out this thought, that God cares way more about your, your motives than the motions. So I don't need you to hear this. I just got, I got to do something. Because I found out something else when I was leasing. Because you could, you could still just be a really, really good tenant. You could work really hard with the wrong motives and still be a, a, a renter. And I'll illustrate it this way. What do you do the last month when you're running out of your lease? You act like an owner because you got to get that deposit back. Like you're like, I got I to gotta fix the carpet. I got to patch up these. I, gotta, I broke the sink a long time ago. I go back, put that knob back on. Like you, there's so many things. You begin to look at it differently because you're working for a deposit. I don't need you to work for a deposit at Coastal Community Church. I don't need you to work for affirmation. I don't need you to work for an attaboy. I don't need you to work to, to feel better. I need the motive to change that I'm owning this thing. I, I'm building this thing. I'm not just trying to give a key back and fix this place up to get a deposit that I'm trying to actually pass this thing down as an inheritance. I'm not just building for me. I'm not giving next week for me. I'm not giving the legacy offering so that my kids have a great place, although that's an added benefit. I need to remind somebody today that this church is for you, but not about you. Once you've given your life to Jesus, like this place is for the next generation and that building is for 50 years from now. Like we're owning this thing and if we own it, we're passing it down. We're not just handing it back to get a deposit back. It's it's more personal than you think. What part are you playing? And here's the last one, verse 16. It says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? Here's the last thing. It's more missional. It's more missional than you think. What I mean by that is, is, is things change when a house becomes a home. Things change. You know, I've, I've noticed... I've noticed that I, I've never, uh, I've never invited somebody to, to a random house. Wouldn't that be weird? You're just like, hey, let's just go over to that house. It's never happened. It's never happened. But when I 
work on my home, when I build my home, when I fix my, when I own my home. I love for people to come and see what, what I've done with the place. I think that's going to be key in this next season of the church when people are struggling, when they're hurting, when they're, they're scared. I don't know that there's been a time in my lifetime where we've had a better opportunity to reach people who don't know Jesus because they realize that they're not in control and that death is imminent. And we have an opportunity to create a home together. You know, this place can't be all that God has called it to be without all of us together. What's beautiful about the body of Christ is it takes everyone. It takes Jesus being the foundation, but it takes each and every one of us to make this place a home. What I've also noticed is that I've never felt at home when I'm alone. That it takes people. It takes fellowship. It takes community to make a house that's just stone and wood and brick and mortar to become a home. All of us together can build that in this community. We can take this, this house and make it a home for us and for our family. But even more importantly, if we, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we can make it a place where thousands and thousands and thousands of more people can call this place home and find a relationship with Jesus. Let's do this, both in this room and watch online. Would you bow your heads right where you are? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity today to, to do that. To come home. You know, the, the first point of the message was it's more spiritual than you think. And I asked the question, where is Jesus? And I want to ask it again. Where is he in your life? Is he just a part of it? Have you been assuming that he's following you? And haven't really missed him until this moment. Where, where is he? Maybe you're new to church and new to this Christianity thing and you don't fully know what I'm talking about today, but you feel like the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And Jesus is the perfect son of God, the second part of the Trinity. And the Bible tells us, history tells us that he made himself fully man. And he lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life uh, for you and for me because we're sinful. And when sin entered the world, uh, unholy people could not be reconciled to a holy God. And so we needed a, a sacrifice. So Jesus lived a perfect life for you so he could die as the perfect sacrifice and substitute as you. And his death on the cross gave us access to grace and mercy, forgiveness from all of our mistakes, our salvation. The gospel doesn't stop there. It, it tells us that three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and that gives us victory over sin, victory over the grave. Death has lost its finality, it's lost its sting. We can have a hope in eternity and a power to live this life now. The book of Romans tells us that our job, Jesus did all the heavy lifting, he did all the work. We just have to make a choice, we have to, we have to take a step. And it says, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that, that, that God has raised him from the dead, that, that we can be saved. 
And I'm going to give you that opportunity right now to answer that question kind of once and for all. Where is Jesus in your life? And to make him Lord of your life by surrendering control to him today. For some of you, it's for the first time ever. You've never accepted Jesus. For others of you, you assumed he was following. You've been searching. But God brought you here today to this 9 a.m. service. He brought you here to Coastal Community Online because he had a divine appointment where today you were going to make Jesus the foundation of your life. Today you are going to make Jesus the priority, the, the filter. He, you're going to make him everything. So come on right now. Holy Spirit is talking to you for the first time ever. Or by recommitting your life for the first time in a long time, you're going to say, Jesus, I'm making you the foundation. Would you raise your hand right where you are and say, I, I need Jesus to be the foundation of my life. I'm giving my life to him today. Gotcha. Two, three. Come on. Gotcha in the back. Come on online. You're in your living room right now. Kitchen table in your car. Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So proud of you. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand in this room or online, would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this. Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. And I'm giving you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And I pray for all of us today. We make our foundation Jesus. We'd be careful with our words. We'd own our calling and together we would make a difference in Jesus' name. We love you. We praise you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Justin.